Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very, very senior and accomplished professional leader from Israel, Mr. Lenny Ravitch. Lenny, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank it's a pleasure you. to be here. Thank you. Lenny is the director of the Gestalt Institute in Tel Aviv, Israel. He's the co-founder of Delivering Delight. He's referred to as the world's guru in optimism. And he's the and he's an author. And all of you know I'm very partial to authors. He's, a, <laughs> he's an author of a book titled Everlasting Optimism, and we'll talk about it. So Lenny, you know, when I was reading about you, I was so amazed. You're 86 years old. Let, yes. let tell me about your amazing journey. Well, it, it it really was an amazing journey because I never had any uh, goal except to be in the here and now, and I didn't really understand what that was all about. But I just knew that if I would do whatever I was doing, whatever I had to do in, in the future would mm. would come to me. So I started out as. Uh, a young actor in New York. Oh wow! And okay. Yes, I was a Shakespearean actor, mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't. Ex and I, my whole life was in that, and I studied books and I took courses and classes, mm -hmm. and and then suddenly, like anything else, it just uh, began to fade away, and I became interested in teaching, and I, I, I taught for many, many years, 11, 12 years. And then suddenly someone, a friend of mine, gave me a book called Gestalt Therapy Verbatim. Mm -hmm. And something happened to me when I read that book. And very slowly I got into that. So my 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 journey has been from station to station, not really expecting anything, mm -hmm. but suddenly coming and finding that, okay, this is my new uh, way of, of living. And then I became a, a lecturer and I found out that I was funny and people were inviting me all over the place because, as they say, be funny, make money. Mm. And I became a performer. Uh, in, in other words, okay. delivering delivering the 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 uh, uh, style principles mm. for people in life, but doing it in a very entertaining way. Mm. And I found that that was uh, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Mm. And I kept my Gestalt Institute open until 2004, and then I became so busy that I just had to close everything down and concentrate mm -hmm. on, on lecturing. And mm -hmm. I, I've been to India. I was I lectured in, in, in Mumbai okay. uh, at the Israeli uh, embassy mm -hmm. uh, when they had their in, in, independence. I've been around the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful journey. I've been married for 57 years. And that's amazing. That's been, yes. So let me tell me a little bit about the Gestalt practice. I don't know much and my viewers and listeners would love to understand a little more well it's a form of you could say psychology because mm -hmm. it's a uh, a way of meeting another person where they are uh, that people who come to you actually need some wisdom some help some somebody to mentor them mm -hmm. and i remember studying uh, psychoanalysis which was very very heady it was all in mm -hmm. the head and it was very analytical, and the, the patient would talk, and the doctor would analyze it, and that mm. just was so not uh, humane. And then suddenly, when I began to practice Gestalt, I realized that the, the 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 therapist and the person coming in for the client are the same. Mm. 
Mm. In other words, they just share each other's here and now. And as a result, the things begin to come up that need to be closed. Now, this mm. is the gestalt. The gestalt is a closure or a, uh, a meaningful whole. Mm. And all of us, all of us are not complete in certain areas of our life. Mm. And so with, what the gestalt helps to do is to close the, the gaps mm. uh, in maybe relationships and maybe in health and maybe in the way we think mm. or the maybe the, maybe the way we were educated and now it's not working anymore in this mm. day and age. Mm. So I, I like that very much because it was very human and it's also based on Martin Buber. Martin mm -hmm. Buber wrote a book called I Thou, which is a very, very humane. Mm -hmm. And uh, that I taught that to groups. I used to have groups I taught. And also, by the way, next week I will be having a seminar in Ukraine mm -hmm. with uh, Gestalt therapists from the Ukraine wow. on, on um, uh, Zoom. And I'll have an interpreter. And uh, they also want to learn how to use Gestalt with humor, because I was mm. the first one in the world to develop mm. uh, a course that you could actually uh, use humor as a way of healing and therapy. Mm. So tell me a little bit more, because your response has given me a segue to my next question, which is that, <laughs> you know, when you talk of uh, Gestalt awareness and healing therapy via humor, creativity and laughter, can you help me understand a little more and give me an example? Well, people learn to laugh more. People don't laugh enough. Mm. And people look at the world as a very serious place. Mm. And I give workshops, uh, and actually experiential work, uh, workshops, mm. where people find their own humor. I mean, I can't tell a person what is humor and what is funny and what is uh, in, in, in taking lightly in their lives. Mm. I give them certain... Uh, exercises to do together and they find through improvisation where the funny is now if they can take that out into life mm. and look at life as more entertaining rather than to be taken so seriously it becomes something that is called detachment i'm sure mm. you understand what detachment yeah. is where mm. you're not only living your life but you're in the audience and you're actually enjoying mm. the, the process. You're having your popcorn, you know, mm. and you're watching yourself at the same time that you're on stage. Mm. Uh, I had this, I had this very same thing happen when I met my wife, I was looking at the outside as I was in, I was mm. looking from the outside in and I was actually in the drama when mm. I first met her and I was smiling to myself because I knew the end of the script. I was writing the script at that time mm. that she was going to be my wife. She didn't know it, wow. but I had it all planned. So it becomes very entertaining and it helps people uh, get rid of all this anxiety and all this stress. When you begin to step back from life and begin to see the humor in the mm. life and begin to laugh more. And I actually give, yesterday I was in with a, a group of bereaved uh members of families mm. and taught them technically how to laugh mm. you know how to use a muscle in your diaphragm and how okay. to smile and, and how that ha happens to uh, have an influence on the chemistry in your body mm. because the moment i went i said okay everybody just go like this and i said you can feel the difference the chemistry in your body is changing and then i actually teach them physically how to laugh so so there's much more laughter in therapy as a matter of fact when i 
practice therapy, there's a lot of a lot of laughter. Mm, very interesting. You also talk about how you help people to tap into their positive re resources, giving them expression in the workplace and in their homes. Yes. Help me understand this. Giving, well, first of all, one of the ways to a, a really complete and happy life is to be grateful. Mm -hmm. And to have uh, this, what I call the uh, attitude of gratitude. And to be constantly... Look, I, mean, I remember Albert Einstein's sentence about uh, either everything is a miracle or nothing is a miracle. Mm. And my choice was everything is a miracle. And that, is, and when you teach people that, when you teach people how to appreciate each other mm. and to automatically make a decision that what you see is perfect. I mean, this, this automatically erases any kind of criticism or judgment. And I had this discussion with my wife when I told her, I said, you're perfect. And she said, what are you, perfect? Nobody's perfect. I said, you are. And she said, how can you say that? I said, well, if you're not, if you're not perfect, whose problem is it? It's mine. If the world isn't perfect, if everybody I meet is not perfect the way they are, if I can't just accept and love everyone the way they are, it's not their problem. It's my problem. So you make a, you make a, a conscious decision that you, you just erase any kind of criticism or judgment or comparison, mm -hmm. and you're completely here and now with that person. So, yes, that that actually does help workplaces mm -hmm. and it helps teams mm -hmm. listen to each other much more and take each other a little bit more seriously and, and to, to respond in a respectable way. I've seen people respond now, uh, especially on you know, Twitter and all, all these social medias, mm. it's not nice. They're not nice to each other. And if we're going to have any peace in this world, we have to learn how to just respect. Somebody can say something and you don't agree with it. I remember Voltaire's sentence, I may not agree with what you say, mm. but I will fight to the death your right to say it. Okay. And we don't live that anymore. And yeah. so this, this is something that I'd like to inject into the workplace. Very interesting. Uh, you know, and I've been what I was reading a lot about you, and there are some just picking up quotes from that. You also say that you are a catalyst that serves to assist people transcend into the light, which appears on the faces as a result of having encountered my presence. Isn't that marvelous? It's an absolutely <laughs> incredible uh, statement. <laughs> but do tell me a little more. <laughs> you know, I loved this particular statement. I do too. And I thought, you know, there's, there's a word in Hebrew called chutzpah, mm. uh, which means uh, uh, to be brazen mm. and to say something like that. But I have, I have found it to be true that mm. when my energy is high mm. and you meet someone else and they're feeling a certain way without trying to convince them or anything, mm. just your presence has um, an influence on them. Mm. So I, I, Every day I have a practice. The first thing is I get up in the morning and I pray and say thank you. We have a prayer in Hebrew uh, where I, I'm Jewish. Uh, I'm not a practicing Jew, but I love this mm -hmm. prayer, yeah. which means thank you for the, this day mm -hmm. and help me learn to, to serve you. How can I serve you today? Yep. And then I go into my elevator and there's a mirror. And automatically I look at the mirror and I smile. And I say, I'm, I'm 86 and I'm still alive. And then I go, 
Well said. What a great response. Wonderful, wonderful. And then, and I have to go down five floors. About the time I get to the fifth, about the first floor, and the door opens up, and I take a deep breath. I'm in a very, very high place, even just for that moment. So anybody mm. I meet, anybody I see, if someone comes over to me and says, "Hello, Lenny, how are you?" and my answer is, "Now is my best moment." Mm. And uh, in, and they even tell me, you know, I was feeling kind of like grumpy and down, and mm. just seeing you uh, makes me feel better. It's it's, oh, it's you become you become like a, a healing process mm. for people. You're smiling. You're seeing the good in them, and they feel what you're seeing. When I see someone and I see perfection, I mm. see a miracle. Mm. They 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 feel that acceptance, and that has. And they've told me uh, you you have an effect on my life whenever mm. I see you. It's so good to see you. And when I go to the pool, I practice swimming, swimming every almost every day. Mm. Uh, people want to come over to me. People want to talk to me. People want that that energy. They want to take that mm. that that positive energy into their own lives. Mm. So to, that's that's the sentence, and that's what my mm. um, my meaning in life is. Yes, mm. and you know. Talking to you is giving me the same kind of a high. You know? <laughs> Thank you, Lenny. That's so amazing. Yes. Uh, Lenny, you're also called the world's guru in optimism. Yes. So I'd love to understand this. And after that, I'll come to your book. Okay. I wrote a book called uh, Everlasting Optimism. And that also was a, um, a chutzpah, the word uh, brazen, uh, to call it that because um you know that's that's really clearing the clouds. I mean, how how can you be everlasting optimism? Mm -hmm. And uh, in my book, I just talk about my journey and how I handled situations that flipped them into optimistic outcomes. Mm -hmm. And there was something I learned from Jack Canfield. Uh, he's the author of uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm -hmm. If you could ever ever get him uh, on your podcast, that would be a wonderful, wonderful mm -hmm. way to spend the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he gave me a formula, which is called E uh, plus R equals O, which means the event plus your response equals the outcome. Wow. So okay. you're, you're, you're responsible, for whatever happens in your life, mm -hmm. you're responsible for the, res the response to that Hmm. that gives you the outcome if you want a positive outcome. Hmm. Uh, so all my book is about what happened in my life that could have been uh, negative. And because of a positive response, I made it into an optimistic outcome. Hmm. And I give people those tools. And at the last chapter, I do a summary of all the things that help your relationships with, by being an everlasting optimism, mm. how it brings you uh, friends into your life and companions, how it helps you succeed in anything that you do. Mm. You know, when we could also talk about what is success, uh, how it makes everything in your life become okay, mm. all right, and a learning experience and how everything, even the most difficult things uh, become lessons in teaching you to be wiser and more loving mm -hmm. and that's what the book is all about and it's very funny as a matter mm -hmm. of fact jack confield canfield wrote that he's, he wrote out my book finally a book about optimism that's really hilariously funny oh, because wow. i can't do anything without you know having people smile and laugh Correct. and have a good time Correct. yes Correct. Yeah. 
So before I move further, I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to go and check out Lenny's book, Everlasting Optimism. He has it there and just behind him. Lenny, show it to us. I will certainly go and check it out. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Lenny. So uh, I'll go and check it out, but you please go and check out uh, Lenny's book as well. So Lenny, my next question is, how do you define optimism? Because it can mean different things to different people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, optimism is just a way of living that no matter what happens, mm. is uh, the end result. Mm. You know, there's, there's something I think I watched an Indian movie. Mm -hmm. It was called something about something, some hotel. Mm -hmm. um, it, and there was a sentence there. It was so... Uh, <laughs> so typical of an Indian movie. Mm. So where uh, the fellow says, uh, everything turns out okay in the end. Yeah. If it's not okay, it's not the end. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. you take everything that goes in, on in your life as a learning experience yeah. and to teach you. And then, and, and also you have a very optimistic, I can give you an example. Mm -hmm. uh, on the 5th of November, 1965 at three o'clock or three o five in the afternoon, I made a decision that I was going to meet my wife. I was um, single, mm -hmm. and I thought that this is also chutzpah, but this is what everlasting optimism is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to meet my wife, and how can you say that you haven't met? Uh, you know, you're going to, and where is she? She's on the beach. I know she's on the beach. She's waiting for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is something that you. You, you live by, which is an optimism that you know that everything is going to turn out according to, to maybe not exactly the way you want it, but it, mm. it, it, it'll be fun watching the, 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 the drama. Mm. So I went out to the beach and I sat there and actually waited. This is mm. an ever, you can't be anything but an everlasting optimism. Amazing, yeah. You know, waiting for your wife to show up that you've never met. And I hear her voice and I said, bingo, without even looking at her, that's her. I walked over to her, smiled, she smiled, and six weeks later, we were married. Wow. And we were married on the 20th. We met on the 5th of November, and we're married on the 21st of, of December. This is just an example yeah. of how, you know, I, I'm going to be studying at this university, and they don't accept me, but mm -hmm. I'm still going to be studying at it. How do you do it? Your mind creates things as, for an optimist that you get, what you say, I know I'm going to be studying there. So I went to a university where they told me that I couldn't go uh, be accepted because my average was a 79 mm. and I needed an 81. Mm. All of a sudden, out of my mouth, you know, I said, I want to speak to the president. Mm. And uh, they were shocked, you know, mm. who, who is he to want to speak to the president of yeah. the university? Mm. And I went to speak to him. And now, this is a Baptist college. Mm. And I'm the only Jew in the Baptist college, you mm -hmm. know. And I walked into his office and he took my file and he said, I'm sorry, but you can't study here. You have a, a 79. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go for my master's degree. This was a mm -hmm. master's degree program for in education. Mm -hmm. And so uh, so he said, uh, you can't study. And I looked at him and I said, if Jesus Christ were sitting where you are right now, I don't know where it came from. I have no idea. I, this was not planned. You know, I didn't say, you know, like you see in the movies, people in front of the mirror and they're practicing what they're going to yeah. say. I never did that. <laughs> okay. I just just walked in and I just said, God, uh, guide me and help me serve you. And 
suddenly out of my mouth came, if Jesus Christ were sitting where you are right now, would he accept me? And I could see by his body language, he was very uncomfortable. And he, he took the file back and he said, okay, on condition, you know, you're fine. That's fine with me. That's an everlasting optimist. That's someone who says, that is mine. I'm going to get it somehow. And uh, you, your, your mind just rearranges, the whole universe re rearranges itself. Correct. To you, you know, to give you what you absolutely. What you Once you've made up your mind, the universe conspires. I, I, I wonder. Sure. I wonder if that answers your question. It does. It does. I have time for two more questions. My next question continues to be with uh, on optimism. You know, the kind of challenges most of the people in the world face because of work, family, all kinds of pressures. How does a person facing such severe challenges suddenly start to look for optimistic parts of uh, his or her life? I, I think it, it, it began when I was about 11 years old, I think. Uh, I was a, sort of a happy-go-lucky kid, but my, my family was very uh, on, the, on the verge of poverty. Hmm. Uh, we were living in the United States during the... This was right after the second world war and uh, of course the, the great depression was in the 30s and i was born in the 30s and my mother came to me and said something i would i really made me very very upset she said i you're 11 years old hmm. you're in the sixth grade and you need to go to work okay and i said what can i do i mean there, there, there's a law in the united states i was living in harvard connecticut hmm. at that time and um, I was very angry because I wanted to go out and play football. I wanted to be in the school band. I played the French horn. Mm. And um, she said, no, you, I said, but there's no law that would allow me at 11 years old to work. I have mm. to be 16 in the United States. Mm. And my father came over and he was very upset too because he, he didn't want his son to have to support the family. Mm. But he said, I can get you a paper route, which means that you could eat, you, you could deliver papers after school. Yeah. You'll have a route and go and you'll make enough money so that you don't have. And this gave me the feeling that I will never, ever miss a meal. Mm. I will never be in a situation where I will have to beg for something. Mm. This gave me the feeling that I... Um, I'm, I'm capable by myself at the age of 11 mm. to support myself. This was a message for the rest of my life. I know what people are going through. And I know that uh, I just talked yesterday to a gentleman from the United States who's from Hungary mm. and he's living in the United States for 18 years. And he said, I can't take it anymore. Mm. I'm just up to here with the pressure and I'm just uh, barely making enough money to pay for my rent and my food, mm -hmm. I, I, I got to get out of this rat race. Mm -hmm. And I understand what people are going through, but that that one moment at the age of 11 where I was very angry with my mm -hmm. mother, and today I look back and I say, Mom, thank you so much mm -hmm. for making me into this uh, piece of hot iron mm -hmm. that went through the world. And, and I went to college and I washed dishes happily, washing dishes to get a meal so that I could go to my classes, Correct. you know, and just being appreciative of every single little thing that ever happened in my life. So if everybody would adapt that feeling of I'm 
by myself, taking full total responsibility yep. for whatever happens in my life. It's, I can't point my finger at anybody. It's all on me. What do I learn from this? God gave me this lesson to learn to become more loving and more wise and that's what i'm going to do i think this would help people i see a lot of people under stress Amazing. and i try to my best to to i i don't try to give advice but i, mm -hmm. I think uh, it, it's much like mahatma gandhi said you know be the change be the change you want to see in the world Amazing. that's the only way really i can do it i can just be that person i want to see the world become Hmm. How interesting. And my last question to you, Lenny, and this is for the many, many people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your own incredible journey and all the different things that you've done, uh, you know, as an optimist, writing a book, the Gestalt Institute, co-founder of the Delivering Delight uh, organization, what would you say are three lessons or three learnings you want our viewers and listeners to take away? Well, uh, first of all, I uh, I wrote one book in, in English and four books in Hebrew, but we don't talk about that because your audience doesn't read Hebrew. Mm. You want me to give three takeaways mm. uh, for people. Uh, the, the one, one is always be grateful. Mm. Always be grateful because when you're grateful, you attract Correct. into your life. Um, always be honorable you know, to other people. Always look at other people as being perfect the way they are. Yeah, because because what you're looking at is yourself in mm. drag, you know, it's all a projection. Mm. And to find out what your shadow is mm. in your life, you have to put you have the yin the yang mm. in your own personality, and if you can accept that shadow, mm. because that shadow needs you, it could be a, a, a part of you that you don't like. It could be a, an angry part or a sad part or a depressed yeah. part. But once yeah. you you learn to to accept that. And also to always keep moving in in in, in a direction. I, I talked to a woman who said that she was on stage and she was absolutely devastated because the audience didn't like her. And I said, "Well, I, you know, I, so there's a movie called Rocky Six. I, I mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone. I love the Rocky movies because mm -hmm. he always has a philosophy. And he's talking to his son, mm -hmm. and he said, "You know, life is hard. It is hard. Life is hard. There's pain." There's suffering. Mm. And just know that you're going to be knocked down. Mm. He said, but the secret is to, no matter how bloodied you are and damaged you are, mm. get up, get up and keep moving. Just get up and keep moving. Oh, wow. Life is tough. Mm. Life is suffering. Life is painful. Mm. You have to get up off the canvas and just keep moving. Well said, well said. And on that note and your amazing lessons, Lenny, always be grateful, always be honorable, accept your own shadow. That's a very powerful statement. You know, we get frightened of our own shadows, but what a powerful statement. And the fourth one you said was keep moving. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your own journey. Thank you for talking to me about uh, the Gestalt Institute, about uh, creativity, laughter, optimism. Thank you for talking to me about your book. Uh, everlasting optimism and thank you again for speaking to me. Good luck to you. Well, thank you very much, Ashutosh. I enjoyed being with you very, very much. You're a very humane and, and loving person and uh, you, you seem to draw out things in people that are probably ordinarily they wouldn't talk about with other people, but in your personality, it's so loving 
and you're so accepting and so warm that uh, I just had to open up and offer you uh, to be my wife. Never mind. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> as long as I as long as I wasn't there waiting for you on the beach, I'm okay. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Video Cast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.